Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Good morning. I didn't see a picture of me and my wife up there. What's up with that? Who's in charge of that? Seriously. He's up there going... My name's Robert Shaw. I'm the family life pastor here today. Randy gave his daughter away in marriage yesterday. And, yeah. Had the privilege of watching it and being part of it. And, uh, and so I'm pretty sure he's uh, looking at his banking account and sleeping right now. As, uh, it was a wonderful moment of time. We do launch today the You, Me, We. You, God... Me, me, and we, together, as we launch today. We'd all agree that life is chock jam full of relationships. In fact, some of you are sitting right next to a relationship right now. And you'll hit relationships on the way out, wherever you go, work. But everywhere we go, life is jam-packed full of relationships. And we'd also agree that if one relationship is a little sour, it kind of affects a lot of relationships, And this is uh, even more true in our relationship with God. If our relationship with God isn't where it needs to be, it's going to affect other relationships. And this morning, we've taken zero in on the next couple of days, the whole idea of marriage, the ultimate relationship that we are going to discover, since something we've figured out, something that God ordained. So the question I have for you this morning is this. What comes to mind when you hear or think of the word marriage? Think about it. What comes to mind? For me, first hour, my wife was sitting right over there. I pointed to her. And I said, for me, when I first think of marriage, I think August 27th of this year will make 40 years that I've been married to her. Yeah. It's a lot of years. How many people in the room today have been married 40 or more years? Raise your hand. How about 30 or more? 20 or more? Just got married. What are you doing here? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But we all have ideas about marriage. On the positive side, we might think commitment, happiness, love, long-term companionship. On the negative side, we might think failure, hurt, struggle, confusion, divorce. As one person wrote, which made me kind of smile, must have had a bad experience, they said, run, run like the wind, run very fast, very far, when you think of marriage. And uh, we were talking to some couples last night, and they asked how long, and we said 40 years, and we kind of smiled at each other and said, 36 of those were very happy years. But the reality is not, it is what it is, right, marriage? We all have grown up, and somehow we figure it out, or we get an idea of what marriage is, whether it's by other couples that we look at as we're growing up, maybe our parents. I happen, and I know this isn't true for some people, but I happen to have very godly parents who modeled a godly and a healthy marriage. If my mom was here today, she'd probably come up here and say, that's not true. 
And I say, Mom, I realize your marriage wasn't perfect, but it modeled what I needed to see. You probably have couples in your life that you think about. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's people here at Gateway. Maybe it's an older sibling that's been married. Maybe you get your reference point in marriage as part of uh, all the pieces you pull together to answer your question, what is marriage, from uh, movies. I'm a guy, and one of my favorite movies is Father of the Bride. First hour I did that, and I could hear everybody go, you know. It's a great movie, but it's a movie, right? Television sitcoms, dramas, music. At the reception last night, had a live band, which is kind of cool, and played a lot of music with the word love in it, right? Marriage. And, of course, we live in a culture that would love to help us define what marriage is. So we have all these things coming into our lives that helps us. When I say, when you hear the word marriage, that gives you an idea what you think marriage is or supposed to be. What is? What is marriage? My goal this morning is to get you to think about that question as never before. As I studied and read and prayed and God kind of knocked me off center a little bit about marriage. I'm the family life pastor. I should know everything, right? 40 years, I can tell you, I know nothing. I learn every day. But my goal is, my hope is, my prayer is that as you think and hear marriage, that maybe you think just a little different. Maybe something you hear today just makes you want to think a little bit more on it this week. That's what God's been doing in my life as I've been working my way through this piece. And maybe when you leave today and you're driving and you're watching something or the word marriage comes up or you see a couple that's married... That'll remind you, yeah, I need to think on, I need to, I need to get in God's word. I need to. But before we go any further, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you because we need you. We need you to help us understand the what of marriage. We need you to guide our thoughts individually in this room. Only you know where to touch people in their hearts. And we give you freedom to do that. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So the ultimate question this morning is, what's God's answer to what is marriage? Kind of makes sense, right? Sunday morning, sermon time. God, marriage, kind of makes sense. It's a sermon, right? Okay, I'm going to. How many have heard a lot of sermons about God and marriage? Come on, raise your hand. I can raise both hands because I've preached a lot of But do you believe in a God that can take what you thought and kind of turn it on its side, and make you go, oh, I believe in that God. 
I believe for those of you who are sitting there going, of course, God, marriage, God wants marriage, God wants you to love each other. Push that aside. Allow God to do what God does. And to work in your thoughts as you think about God and marriage. We're going to go back and we're going to look at what God, how God answers the what question of marriage. And it all starts at the very beginning of time. Within the story of creation. Wasn't something that just happened. This started way back. At the very beginning of time. And before we look at those Genesis 1 and 2, a couple of little, as I said first hour, a couple of little speed bumps I want us to think about. A couple of truths I want us to keep in mind as we explore God's answer. First is this, and this is how the one, one writer writes the first one. Marriage is more wonderful than anyone on earth knows. And the reason it's wonderful can only be learned from God's word and can only be understand, understood and appreciated by the working of the Holy Spirit who enables us to behold and embrace the wonder. We try to embrace it. We try on our level to grab it. We need the Spirit. We need Holy Spirit to enable us. It says in John 16, 13, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, he will, take you, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. We need God's spirit to open our eyes. Because when we're about ready to look at the creation story, we are on this side of creation. We are looking back at the moment of time when God created. And we look back with a bunch of baggage as we look back, we look back with 21st century glasses and it filters and it clouds up what we're looking at. We need to ask God's spirit to remove that, to give us a fresh vision, an idea of what marriage is. Because he can only do that. Our trouble is we try to do it on our own. We think we've figured it out, but we forget 21st century First man, first creation. God says, let me, let me help you. Let me reveal to you the wonder of marriage. And then the second truth is this, found in Romans 1.20. And I'm going to, this verse I'll come back to a couple of times. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything Everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his internal power, his divine nature. So they no longer, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Everything he created, everything he made, they can see him. So, with that in mind, Genesis 1.1 in the beginning, God. Stop right there. We have a tendency in the church world, I don't know about you, maybe it's not fair to say church world. I have a tendency to read right through the Genesis thing. I've read it a million times. In the beginning, God comes up. 
We need to slow it down and in beginning God. Then the next word, created. God is the creator of all things. You, me, the beginning. God created all things. Day one, he creates the heaven and earth. Day two, the sky. Day three, land. Day four, star and heavenly bodies. Day five, life in the water. Day six, life on dry land. And then in day six, Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We might think that's where it stops. God's done, creation, mankind, he's done. But the reality, he continues to create. As we move into Genesis chapter 2, one is an overview, two drills down. Two starts in verse 4. God paints a picture of the world it was looking like and how it's a function. Verse 7, he describes an account of creation of man. Verse 8 through 17, God creates the Garden of Eden. And in 15, he puts man in the garden, tells him to take care of it, what to eat and what not to eat. And then verse 18, it is not good to be man, for man to be alone. And what does God do? He creates woman. But is that where it stops? Does he stop creating? No, he moves on. God creates in verse chapter 1, 27 and 28. God creates and establishes marriage. He's done all these things. And now he stops and he creates and establishes married marriage. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and he said, be fruitful, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He is the designing creator of marriage. And it continues in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. In Genesis 2, the text ends with, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. God creates marriage. He establishes marriage. But not only that, he spoke marriage into existence. Genesis 2.24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, how do we know that Moses didn't just, Moses is the one that's writing this, that Moses didn't throw this in. This is his words, right? Mother, father, how do we know that Moses didn't tack this in there to throw, to throw that in there. Well, I always say if you don't understand something in the Bible, the best place to go is other place in the Bible because the Bible has a tendency to clear up your thoughts. 
Let's go to Matthew 19, 4 through 5. This is Jesus speaking. Don't you read the scriptures? He replied. In them it is written that at the beginning God created man and woman, and that man shall leave his father and mother and be forever united to his wife. The two shall become one, no longer two. Okay, here's a question. Where was Jesus at creation? Right? God, right? So Jesus was there. So Jesus is affirming what Moses wrote to be the word of God. Jesus is affirming. I'm surprised he didn't write, hey, people, I was there. I saw it. I heard it spoken to being that marriage is designed and created by God. So God designed, created, established marriage, and he spoke it into existence. God creates the world. God creates man. God creates woman. Marriage wasn't something that the man and the woman got together and said, we need to do something. Let's get married. Let's marriage. God established marriage, and what does he do? He gives it to them. He gives them marriage. The marriage that you're in, God gave that to you. You're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know. Let's be honest, right? I could paint it, oh, everybody's in love. And seriously. Let's, let's never forget, marriage is a design and created by God. He spoke it into existence. And he's given it to us, to mankind. And again, I go back to Romans 1.20. Through everything God made, put the word created in there, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Why did God create and design marriage? I was talking to a group of people. It's not to be given some good confines in order to populate the world. Okay, I need to get a lot of people on the earth, and that means they're going to have to have sex. And I want to put that in the confines of something healthy, so I'm going to design marriage. No. He designed and created marriage for what? What does Romans tell us? To reveal himself to people. Your marriage. My marriage. He creates that. We, we have defined and decided what marriage looks like. And God says, no, not here, here. This is marriage. God creates, designs, establishes, ordained marriage for a purpose. What's that purpose? First purpose is this. It's to reflect God's image. Again, 
Verses 26, 27, chapter 1, Genesis. Then God said, let us make God, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Author and scholar Wayne Grudem puts it this way. He's looking at those words. He says, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, image and likeness in the Hebrew refers to something that is similar but not identical to the thing that it represents or is the image of. Therefore, he says, in verse 26, would have meant to the original readers, let us make man to be like us and to represent us. God created marriage, your marriage, my marriage, to reflect God's image in a world that desperately needs to see who he is. Because we're created in the image of God, people who wouldn't otherwise know what God is like should be able to look at us, our marriage, and get a glimpse of who he is. A glimpse of a God who is personal, a God who loves us, a God who's relational, and of course, a creative God. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. I think back on the couples that I looked at growing up. And I know they weren't, you know, in front of me going, okay, we need to put the image of God towards Robert. Oh, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. That's the... But now as I've been older, 40 years of marriage, I look back on those things, and I can truly, honestly tell you, I did see the image of God leaking out of those marriages. I was just talking to somebody today. Seriously, my marriage does that? And I happen to know this couple has a heart to serve. I said, that is God's image leaking out of you. Remember, this was all created in the Garden of Eden. This is all created, we're on this side looking at that side. So one of the purposes God has for marriage is that it's to reflect into a world that's just hurt and full of pain. His image, his love, his desire for relationship, his desire to redeem, his desire to heal. And then the other reason, we find it in Ephesians 5, 5, 31, 32. Paul writes this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is the part that just blows my mind, trying to figure out what he's saying here. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The message puts it this way. I do not pretend to understand it all, What is clearest to me is that Christ, the way Christ treats the church, in the living version puts it this way, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. 
You see, God sets up marriage as a metaphor, as a symbol, as an image, as a living, walking object lesson for how much God loves us and how we are to be in relationship with him. The imagery of and, Im, and symbolism of marriage is applied to Christ in the body of believers, known as the church. That's us, who are Christ followers. Christ, the bridegroom, has sacrificially and lovingly chosen the church to be his bride. Before I read Ephesians 5, Last, I've done, I've done a lot of weddings. I've been in a, gone to a lot of weddings. But I got to tell you, after studying this and reading this and letting God's spirit do what only God's spirit could do, when Catherine Hageman came out of the door over here, all dressed in white, and Patrick was up there, and she was making that walk to him, I will never look at marriage the same, at wedding the same. As that is just a beautiful picture of his, God's church, us, the bride, coming together with the groom or with Christ. White. And God, as we give our hearts to God and being connected with God, that's what marriage is. And with that thought, let me read Ephesians 5. This is what sits above what I read that Paul wrote. It says about this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He died so that he could give the church to himself as a bride in all her beauty. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they love their own bodies. No one ever hates his own body, but feeds and takes care of it. And that is what Christ does for his church, his body. The scripture says, a man is united to his wife, and the two become one body. This is a profound mystery. And I'm talking about Christ and the church. So each husband must love his wife as he loves himself. And each wife must respect her husband. John Piper writes this, the union of man and woman in marriage is a mystery because it conceals as in a parable the truth about Christ and the church. The divine reality hidden in the metaphor of marriage is that God ordained a permanent union between his son and the church. Human marriage is the earthly image of that divine plan. And God willed for Christ and the church to become one body. And so he willed for marriage to reflect this pattern. That the husband and wife will become one flesh. No other relationship on planet earth, including parent-child relationship, can adequately illustrate our union with Christ the way that marriage between a man and a woman does. God wants to use our marriages to reflect his wonder, his majesty, his splendor before a world 
for which Christ died. The mystery of marriage is an awesome privilege of each and every Christian marriage. And I love this part. But remember, marriage, like any great mystery, is difficult to unravel while in the middle of it. But you always know that it will all work out at the end. Somewhere along, maybe it's just my thinking, somewhere along the road, got the idea that marriage was the end all. That's what life's about, right? You grow up, you date, you get married, you have kids, then you wish you didn't have kids, (laughs) then they go to college, and you wonder where the money's going to come from. Then they graduate, and they move out on their own, and there's merriment throughout the land. (laughs) Right? Where did we get the idea that that's what the ultimate of life is? The ultimate is life is you to meet your creator. Marriage is a symbol of that. It's not the end all. It's just a symbol that God uses. He's given to us to show in a world that's just hurting who he is, how much he loves us. But here's the reality. Verse, chapter 3, Genesis, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? And sin comes in and sin does what sin does best. It corrupts, corrupts, and destroyed. We understand that side, right? We might not understand everything looking in, but boy, we can understand the sin and the corruption and the devastation it does. You see it in Adam, in his relationship with God, and Eve, in his relationship with God, the two of them and their relationship with each other. And we're living it on this side. Next week, Mike picks the story up and talks about what it is God desires in your marriage. And I want to encourage you. In a group this size, I know there's got to be marriages that are blowing up. And I just want to give you this word. If God did not give up on Adam and Eve in their marriage, he's not giving up on your marriage and neither should you. And next week, I want to encourage you to get back here. And if everything's going great in your marriage, bring somebody with you that needs to hear the next step in this story. You and God. Which is the me and God? You You and God. Them and God. Just maybe God's going to use you 
Whether you're married or not, you're reflecting the image of God. And just maybe God's going to use you to reflect a little of him image out into your friend. They're going to come in. They're going to look at you when Mike says marriage because they're not married. They're all, what? what? And God's going to say, that's okay because I got a word for them they're going to need to hear. And maybe, just maybe, your friend's going to walk out eternally changed because you took the time to invite them. Maybe, just maybe, your friends that are a couple whose marriage is just on the verge of Maybe they're going to walk out with just a little bit of hope to get some help. Because you took the time and were willing to allow God's image to reflect through you to them. You just reflect the best you can. God's not asking you to be perfect. He's just saying, be a reflection. I will do the rest. This week... When you watch a movie or you're talking or you're with your spouse if you're married or you hear in a song about marriage, God created, established, handed off to us marriage. Why? To reflect his image into a hurting world and to point towards that wonderful day when Jesus Christ, the bride, the groom, and us, the bride, will come together. That's going to be a glorious day. I don't know if it'll look like an aisle. We'll all be walking down in white dresses. I don't know. But it'll be a glorious day because that's what the picture shows. That's the symbolism I picked up yesterday watching Catherine walk down that aisle. As people were just, I'm all thinking, man, if they're like that at a human wedding, can you imagine that glorious day when what we'll all, we'll all be doing this? When that moment comes, right? The honesty. In a few moments, I'm going to pray. Right up front, we got our prayer team. I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, come forward, get prayer. Right out here, if you're first time, I'd love to meet with you. we got some friends and myself will be out here first time. Membership class, seriously, if you come here every Sunday and you just get your coffee and go home, drop by membership, 9.30, I'll give you a kolache. Free on me, okay? Drop by right over there, 9.30. Ginger Day and I, we lead the class. It's a lot of fun. It's only an hour. You get to learn a little bit about Gateway. But most of all, go out and be the image of God into people's lives this week. And if you're a couple, I know you got struggles. I got struggles in my 40 years, I got struggles. But allow God to use your marriage to be the image that this hurting world needs to see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. <laughs> it just challenges me to no end. I just pray for each individual and each marriage in here that you will remind us to be your image out in the world this week. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.